Hey ladies, it's Melissa McLeod, and I'm excited to bring the Mom in the Hot Seat series starting today. I pulled the women in my amazing life coaching group, The Trophies, and The Trophies are mostly married moms with young school-aged children. So I thought it would be so cool to do some interviews with moms who've been there, done that. And the first mom I wanted to bring on is our guest today, Wendy Hutchinson. She's a fellow life coach, and she and I met back in Houston, Texas about five years ago. We were both in a business networking group together, and we bonded right away, and we've had these amazing connections and wonderful conversations over the years. I consider her a mommy mentor. She has wonderful relationships with her two 20-something boys and her husband of over 30 years. And so I wanted to know, how did you do it? And I also knew she was going to give us the goods. I didn't want to interview a mom who's going to tell me about their morning routine or suggest I pack the school lunches the night before. No, I wanted to know where you messed up, what you consider your regrets, and what you do differently. And Wendy lays it all out for us. So take a listen. This is like a tell-all. And I'll see you on the other side. So, Wendy, is there anything yes. you want to open with before I um, give you all the questions I've got? Well, first of desires? all, yes. The first thing I want to say is there are no wrong answers. There are a million parenting styles. Everyone raises kids differently. And I just, I don't feel that there are any parenting styles that are better or worse than others. I mean, well, okay, maybe there are some things that are better or worse. But people have to really honor their, their truth and follow their inner guidance when it comes to parenting their kids. And so I think it's really important for people to understand that not everybody is going to parent like you, and that's okay. You know, it's okay. We should be less judgmental of each other's parenting styles and more supportive because we're all in the trenches together, you know? Mm. So, so what do you say, when you say honor awesome. your truth, I mean, we get that, yeah. but how do you really get to that space of knowing who you are and honoring that in your parenting? That is so powerful, right? Knowing who you really are, because what happens is we get swayed by public opinion. We get swayed by our family members chiming in on how we should raise our kids. Grandparents, they have their ideas, right? Friends, peer pressure. There's so many different um, we read books. There's so many things out there to freak you out as a parent and, <laughs> and convince you you're ruining your children, <laughs> right? But I think the biggest, the biggest thing is to really get quiet and ask yourself, does this resonate for me? It's, it's a really easy thing to get quiet and go, well, how do I really feel about this? How do I really feel about parenting? How do I really feel about screen time? How do I really feel about um, what I feed my kids? Does it have to be all organic? How do I really feel, uh, feel about breastfeeding? I mean, honor your truth because this is your child. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to know and, and don't confuse what you think and what you feel. Because your mind is going to 
convince you that you need to do this, that, or the other based on the books or based on what your sister-in-law is doing or what your parents are telling you or what your husband wants you to do. You're going to get so much input, external input, but what really counts is that you, you are the mom. And so your opinion really does matter. You know, every time we are sacrificing our truth to make someone else happy, that's not really a healthy relationship. Mm. Right? Do you have any tips? I mean, I know you do this so much in your business. Do you have any tips on how to just let go of what other people think? It's so huge and it's definitely a process because it's like we've been programmed by our culture and our families, our societies. Uh, we've been conditioned to always please others, right? From a very young age. We, we learn our social cues. We know how to fit in. You know, the whole goal of, of life as a female is to fit in right? You're mm -hmm. trying to fit in and junior high is the worst and then high school <laughs> and you're trying to find your place in the world. And it's a rare person that can actually stand in their truth and be different. But that's what you're here to be. You're here to be yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the biggest tips to finding that authentic truth and coming back to your center and your core values is to give yourself time to be quiet and connect to yourself. That can be just um, by walking, you know, by walking your dog. It could be hiding in the bathroom if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or the pantry may, may or may not have happened. The pantry. <laughs> Carbs are always... Um, Great. You can go in there and eat a few carbs and close the door behind your walk-in pantry. You know, there's a lot of ways. Or take a bath, take a sea salt bath. People are there. And, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of your moms are like, yeah, right. Like I have time to draw a bath and take a sea salt bath. Well, the kids do go to bed eventually. Mm -hmm. So you probably can carve out some time. It's really about making yourself a priority because when you're a busy mom, you're the last person on your list. You can barely get your hair cut. You can barely get in to get a manicure. That might never even happen because you just don't have the time, especially if you have three or four kids and they're all in sports and after school activities and they have homework and dinner. And it's a lot. I, I think honor that's the all hardest. of you. The time, making the time. But carve out a little time. Carve out 10 minutes. Get up 10 minutes early and have your coffee. About mm -hmm. 10 minutes. Write in a journal. Um, go outside, just put your feet in the grass if you can. You know, I know it's winter in a lot of places, but honor yourself with the gift of time, you know, because only if you create space in your life for yourself, will you get to know who you are. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. My, my me time is my favorite part of my day. I'm totally not ashamed to say that. I, I love spending healthy. time with my family, but being by myself, it's so sacred and it's yes. just so fleeting. So I really, really soak it in. And I honor that you, I honor you for doing that because I was not that mom. I was very much a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Everybody else came first. I didn't value myself, you know, enough. 
to make time. And so I, I'm speaking from experience, you know, I was really out of touch with who I, I am. Yeah, I, I was, I know who I am now, but not when my kids were younger. Mm. Okay. So when you say recovering perfectionist, tell me more about that. Like when, when were when, when did you get oh, to the God. point where you could say, I'm, I'm done with this or wow, mm -hmm. I'm trying to achieve something that's totally unattainable. When in your motherhood journey did that come to light? You know what? It wasn't till my kids were almost, one had already left, was leaving. Mm -hmm. It was 2010. Mm -hmm. And I had a son who was 17 and going off to college. And I was, I was really good at just wearing a lot of different masks. I know we've talked about this, Melissa, and showing up for everybody however you wanted me to show up. Oh, you want me to show up at the the PTA thing, I'll do that, volunteer for the party or drive to a field trip, whatever it was, like I was there, right? Because that perfect thing, you, you, you have to show up and look the part mm -hmm. and be the mom that you think everybody wants you to be or, or be the good mom, mm. you know, that mom that shows up for everything, volunteers, like works at the carnival for too many shifts because no one else wants to do it because they're <laughs> smart and they have a life on Saturdays. You know, I was that sucker mom. I was mm. the sucker mom. Not the soccer mom, the sucker mom. <laughs> that said yes too many times. And it was rough. I'm kind of exhausted when I think about everything I did. Mm -hmm. And how, and how hard I was working to be perfect. And really, nobody cared. Right. You know? I was working so hard to prove to myself that I was worth something. Mm. And I'll tell you, it was exhausting. But to answer your question, and this is exactly what happened. I'm writing a book actually, and this is kind of in the beginning of my book, but I was standing in my dining room mm -hmm. and it was a rare occasion where nobody was home and I was bustling around, you know, it's always cleaning and cooking and, you know, there's always something right when you're a mom, you've got yeah. a million things swirling around in your mind. You got to get to the grocery store and wash the uniforms and whatever. And I heard this voice clear as a bell yeah loud and clear in my head and it was a woman's voice and she said save yourself and I was like who just I mean it was like in my head it wasn't someone talking to me outside it was like it was like me telling me yeah to save yourself and in that split second there was the strongest knowing that I had been betraying myself for years, decades, oh. years, that I had been sacrificing myself to make everyone else happy in my life and ignoring my voice and my truth and what I needed to be whole and complete. Mm. I was just giving, 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 giving. And I literally, there was nothing left to give. And that was the moment. And I knew, and I can't tell you how I knew, um, 
because I was so out of touch with myself. <laughs> you know, I didn't know how I felt about anything. But I knew if I did not immediately start changing how I was relating to myself, that I was going to die. Oh. Like my soul was dying. I was going to die. I did. This is, this all happened like in seconds. Yeah. Like I heard this booming voice in my head, save yourself. And then I had this knowing like to the core of my soul, like if I did not do something different, I was going to die. And I didn't know how. I mean, it felt like I might get cancer or I might get some, something was going to happen to mm -hmm. me because my soul was dying and my body was going to follow, <laughs> you know, it was powerful and that changed my whole life. Wow. It was, it was radical. And I, and I, I was not a woo-woo kind of person back then. <laughs> I wasn't a spiritual person. I wasn't on any sort of journey, but that was, it was literally like myself shaking myself up mm -hmm. and I had to figure out how to come back. Oops. I'm sorry. How to come back to myself and, and figure out who I was. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. So what changed? How did you change? How did you come back to yourself? Well, it started with a $2 Starbucks because <laughs> I wasn't even worth, you know, the cappuccino all the money went to the kids and their mm. activities and so I started just going what do I love to do I started I made a list what do I love to do because I need to do more of that mm -hmm. I loved going for walks around the lake um, where I lived with friends I loved working out I loved uh, going to Starbucks and getting a, a drink and hanging out with friends mm -hmm. And I love to read. So I made this whole list. What are some of the things that I love? And I started incorporating those things into my daily life. Mm -hmm. Even if it was just a few minutes, you know, even if I could meet someone for like a half an hour, mm -hmm. I, the Starbucks was like a block from my house. So I'd just run up there and just have a connection, have a connection mm -hmm. with a friend because friends, if they're good friends, lift you up, right? They support you they're your confidants they're people who care about you and so that's where it, it really did start with a two dollar starbucks yeah <laughs> and and working out i started spin class and i just i would spin i think i was spinning five days a week oh was exercise locked. it I really is out. such a good mood stabilizer <laughs> i worked out the spending money the thing is really a big deal. I feel like when, yeah. um, so back in the U S you know, I love just roaming the aisles of target. It's so fun. And you can pick up things for just target a couple dollars and it feels good. But yeah. when I'm doing that, it's like, I'm buying a new lunch kit for the kids or I'm buying yes. a cute t-shirt for my son or I'm buying exactly. a fun water bottle for Caitlin. It's like, even yes. the mom's, even when we're out there spending the money, it's often not on ourselves. Exactly. Just the, the cup of the coffee. Same way. I was cup. the same way. I was the same way. You know, it would be, I'd go to the mall with friends. I'd be like, oh, these jeans would be great for my husband. Oh, and so-and-so needs a, a polo shirt. And, <laughs> and 
there's nothing in the bag for me. I know. It's like you're programmed yeah. to think of everybody else. It's automatic. Yes. It's, so it's this conditioning. And so what I had to do, it was like almost like cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. where you, you recognize the pattern and you consciously shift. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'd recognize the pattern and then I'd consciously do something different. Mm-hmm. Really good. You know? But, but... I had to figure all that out myself because I, you know, I, I, I wasn't a very religious person. I didn't have a lot of, um, I didn't do vulnerability. When you're a perfectionist, you never want anyone to think there's something wrong with you, God forbid, or that you have emotional issues or that you're struggling or no, you always have that glossy smile and your glass of wine and everything's great. How's everything? Awesome. (laughs) Let me tell you, let me tell you how great things are. I had like awesome holiday card photos forever. And now I just don't even bother because it was such a a fraud. Like my kids don't want to take the photo. My dogs are like never looking at the camera and I'm pissed off because nobody's cooperating. Even now, You'll rarely see a photo with my entire family. Yeah. Because there's there's one or two protests. My kids are adults and they still protest. They're like, yeah, yeah. I'm the photo. So you kind of give up. You know, you, you kind of figure out what's really important. Mm. For me, it's authenticity. Yeah. You know, I, for I, any I, mom that I, feels bad about that, the holiday card thing, don't you get the card like the day after Thanksgiving from the family that's got it all together and you're like oh come on come on yeah. like, that's like how I for feel real <laughs> yeah and then I get the letter those are the worst get the letter <laughs> outlining every incredible accomplishment the, not just one but the several international trips they took and so-and-so <laughs> studying abroad and oh and so-and-so got married this you know my my kids are at that age where their peers are getting married and having kids and it's yeah. Okay. But Wendy, so you're something better. You're a dog, Gma. <laughs> I'm a dog, Gma. Yeah, you're the dog, Gma. <laughs> I bought that dog some cute T-shirts and a coat. Yeah. She is so freaking cute. Oh. And I hope we, I hope it stays that way for a while because God, God forbid, we're not ready for grandkids. We're just, you know, the dog is about where it, where we, where the level we're at right now. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, I want to backpedal. I certainly don't want to shame any mom that has it together and gets their Christmas cards out the day after Thanksgiving. Hey man, good. I do want to ask. I do want to ask. What are you doing for yourself? That's, I think, a great question for moms to ask. What are you? What did you do for yourself today? In fact, I'm using um, everyone that um, is at least hanging out with me. They know I use my passion planner all the time. So there's a question I ask every day of myself in the in the passion planner. What did you do for self maintenance? I think that's Love a great it. question for the moms. What did Love you do for self means? Your husband's not going to do it for you. Your kids sure as shit aren't going to do it for you. So what did you do for yourself for self maintenance? Even if it was the $2 coffee. You know what I was laughing at? I was thinking, I know that we've talked about this. I'm sure Melissa, but I was, I was laughing about how you could be like the president of the United States and your kids will just take you down in like two seconds. It's so true. Like they are so totally unimpressed by you. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, that the truth? it's so humbling. 
Like yeah. they are there just to create humility in you because <sighs> if you think you're the shit, they will let you know you're not. <laughs> I love to say I mean, they, they are might, raising us. They are they, raising yeah, us. Yeah, they might think you're awesome till they're about like 12 or 13. But once you crest, boy, man. Oh my gosh. Good luck. Last Good week luck. at my son's <laughs> school, they had a sports day at Owen's school. And all the kids had these races and sack races and hurdles and fun sprints and fun. things like that. And at the very end, they asked me to participate in the parents' race. They're doing a parents' race. And I thought it was all ego. I said, I, I am going to show my son how I spank all these Sri Lankan ladies. <laughs> and there was no way I was You're coming confused. in anything less than first in this race. Wow. And so they have all the moms line up for the mom's race. Right. And I am like stretching. I am going to own this thing. It's like a short dash. <laughs> You're like, going to bring it. Totally. That 20 yard dash. You're going to bring it. There was no question. Health and fitness has not come to Sri Lanka for sure. I'm the fittest mom. Absolutely. No question. I mean, there's, there's women covered up in their, um, right there, you know, gear uh, and everything or whatever it is. Yeah. So I take off and I'm sprinting so fast. My <laughs> hamstrings seize up. I fall, <laughs> roll over, <laughs> thank God I didn't break my arm. Last oh, last oh my and thankfully another mom oh my video and then puts it to a music track. <laughs> for a week I've been to see the physio three times I've got oh my on my legs and then I go in later this week for another oh Melissa oh my god like, that, that is life ego. that is how our kids humble us every single day so I asked oh my god mommy's race did you see I fell you I'm go, like crying oh my race? god Owen wants to know what race wasn't even watching <laughs> I was doing it for you, kid. I was oh, Melissa. I badass. Oh, so, oh, I'm laughing so hard. I'm crying. I cannot believe that happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what I was saying. You know, we're trying so hard, and then the joke's on us, right? Because nobody cares. Nobody cares. You know what they care about? Themselves. Yes. Everybody's yes. focused on themselves. So, so moms, like, you might as well here. focus on you because everyone else yeah. is doing that. That is yeah. going to be the, the title of this, um, this recording. It's going to be Wendy Hutchinson. The joke's on you. Motherhood. The joke's on you. <laughs> That's what we're going to call this. Oh my God. It totally is, you know, because here's the thing. I honestly thought in my naivete when I had my kids that you read the book and then if you did everything in the book you just turn out kid perfection oh my god that's what happens right mm -hmm. you have the baby they're adorable precious you know they're the smartest thing on the planet they're so advanced so advanced <laughs> and you're and they're hitting the markers or they're not and so you're stressing and you're you're trying to stimulate them and make sure they have all the growth and everything and you forget the one most important thing, the wild card, which is your kid. Oh my gosh, totally. And you think you're <laughs> responsible, whether or not your kid is sleeping through the night at 12 weeks, it's right. on you. We think it's on us. Whether or not they're it's eating, like, it's on us. As if we have that much control. No, <laughs> we don't. The kids yeah. control us. They learn so early how to manipulate us. They're I'm born telling that you. way. 
Oh my gosh, they're such masters. Oh my goodness. And okay, so, so it so was many, such a joke. It is such a joke. The joke's on you, moms. It is, okay, man. Okay, so Wendy, let's get into some of these fabulous questions. Okay, I'm ready to answer the questions. Okay, what areas of mothering did you let yourself off the hook? And what areas do you wish you had let go? Well, let me just put it this way. I have a lot of parenting experience and I made a ton of mistakes. So I think um, what, what I honestly wish is that I would have been kinder to myself. Mm -hmm. Because every time there was a crisis or a problem, like I just took it on. Like, oh my God, I ruin I'm ruining them. I'm ruining them, you know? trying so hard um but you know what at the end of the day they're resilient they turn out fine I, I, I hate to tell you because we really think that all of these things are going to make them perfect right they're gonna they're gonna be successful society's version of success we're gonna feed them organic foods we're gonna make sure they're in travel sports we are going to take them on enriching and exotic vacations. Yeah, learn a second um, language. And we're, they're going to be in tutoring. They're going to go to Kumon. Exactly. They're going to be in AP classes uh -huh. in high school. They're going to apply to all the Ivy League schools because they're brilliant. But you know what? We forget. We forget that our kids are actually people. They're not robots. They can't be programmed. I mean, some are. And, and I feel sorry for them. But they each have these really unique talents. Mm -hmm. Every single kid has something magic in them. Every single one. And we should be fostering that. Oh. We should be nurturing that. We should be watering their garden. We should be really focusing on making sure that they get to be who they're born to be, not who we want them to be, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. It does make sense. So, I don't know if I answered your question. I kind of got did. off topic. You. <laughs> okay, so next question. What did you do when you had different parenting styles or just did not see eye to eye with your husband? Yeah, we fought a lot. <laughs> Tell us more about when, that. <laughs> when you're not on the same page, it's a problem. It's a problem. Mm -hmm. We just, we, we just, you know, I don't think we ever did get on the same page. The, the kids kind of raised themselves despite us, you know, the push pull of two different parenting styles. Mm -hmm. um, you, you kind of fumble along and, and find your way. But yeah, we did fight a lot about parenting styles. My husband mm -hmm. grew up, so let me just explain our background in like a few few quick sentences. Yes, Catholic Asian, please explain your background. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think I need to. That sums it right up, you know, right there. Those two words, Catholic Asian, you know that you are um, striving. Mm -hmm. You are you are hitting markers. And then when you don't, because you, you never quite, you're, you're good, but you're not ever good enough. So then, then you layer on the Catholic guilt. Yeah. It's so much fun, you guys. It's so much fun. So, so I came from a family where there was more discipline, mm -hmm. right? And expectation, very high expectations. And we, you know, from the age of 13, my sister and I were doing all the laundry. We cooked dinner every night. We did our homework. We were latchkey kids. My mom had a career. Mm -hmm. She's very successful. So from the age of probably 12, 13, we did everything. 
in our home. Mm -hmm. We did all our laundry and dishes and we had chores. I mean, we did everything. Now my husband on the flip side was raised in a very relaxed um, environment where he could just stay out all night and not have to check in at the age of like 13. Wow. So you could see there's a huge gap <laughs> in our parenting styles because one is like, boys will be boys, let them get in trouble, blah, blah, blah. And then me, tiger mom, Asian, no, they have to be studying. <laughs> they need to be in home by the certain curfew. Like it was challenging. And I'm going to be honest, we, we never did get on the same page. And, and I feel it was a detriment to, you know, to the kids because somebody's always undermining. One parent is always undermining the other parent. Mm. So that's what not to do. Well, what do you think (laughs) are the benefits of kids seeing two different styles, two different paths, two different beliefs? What do you think they did get out of that experience? Um, I don't know. They survived. (laughs) I don't know if there was like a benefit to it. Because what happens is there's a triangulation that happens. Like, who are they going to go with? The parent that allows more, is is more lenient, mm-hmm. right? So they, they kind of triangulate and cut you out. Like the mom gets kind of cut out because they're always going to go to dad because he's going to say, yes, mm-hmm. here, take the car. Yeah, here's 20 bucks, you know, go have fun. So there's kind of a triangulation, which is unhealthy, I think. When you, when you don't, you're not on the same page because the kids will learn how to play, play the parents to get the outcome that they want. So just, I guess my advice would be don't do what I did. Okay. You know, try, try and come together in your parenting styles. And, and if you can't, then I would talk to somebody who can help you get on the same page Mm -hmm. because it's so, so important. You know, we did have the same values we did have the same values. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like we were totally, you know, that there was a total disconnect. We, we had the same fam- family values. We mm-hmm. wanted the same things for our kids. So we were on the same page that way, but discipline wise, we weren't. And so, you know, that was a problem. So what would you have done differently? Would you have asked um, in a different way for more support? Would you have gone to yes. marriage counseling? Would you yes, have let, think, let it go and just say, I'm over it? I would have, yeah, I think I would have been more vulnerable and said, honey, we need to go and, and take a parenting course or we need to go talk to somebody about it. But I'll take full responsibility for my part because perfectionists don't do vulnerability. There you go. <laughs> right? So you don't admit that you're contributing to this problem. Okay, then so, I want to play devil's advocate. So yeah. since we know kids are individuals and they're going to be who they came here to be, exactly. do you think things would have been different? Do you think things would have been better for your kids in the long term? Or do you just think you would have been more relaxed? I think I would have gotten been more, your I think I would have okay. been more relaxed. Okay. I would have been more relaxed. But, you know, that's part of the journey, right, is learning to recognize things that you and and own your part in everything that's happening in your family because it's really easy to be like always you know blaming blaming your spouse blaming your kids blaming whatever it is but not really looking at yourself and going gosh 
what's my part in this? Uh So a lot of my growth and me becoming a better parent was learning to really do that deeper inner work and, and really looking at myself and being honest and going, wow, that it's was powerful. Good. All the power comes so from taking responsibility. Transformative, right? Mm-hmm. When you own your stuff and you're like, wow, I want to show up as a different person. I want to show up as a better mom. I want to show up for myself mm-hmm. and be authentic and stand in alignment with my truth. And that's, you know, we model so much for our children. Mm-hmm. They learn from watching us and how we walk through this world. So when you can start to heal some of the things and insecurities and feelings inside of you that are driving your behaviors, because mm-hmm. basically it's fear, right? At the core, it's fear of not being enough. Mm-hmm. That's driving us all the time. And then when you're in that fear, you get you flip into behavior that's controlling. Like you are going to play a sport and you're going to love it. (laughs) And you're going to be good at it and you're going to try hard and you're going to get good grades. You become, you know, because of that fear is driving you that, Oh, if your kids don't hit the mark, then everybody's going to look at them and go, wow, what's wrong with Wendy? You know, as a parent, she's slacking off. (laughs) You know, our kids don't do that. they're not like that you know Mm. so that was a big thing and it's it was so empowering really just to realize first of all we're all doing our best Mm -hmm. you guys you're doing your best so cut yourself some slack be kind be kind to yourselves yes it's rough out there what would you say instead of learning to make yourself a priority what were the most important things or impactful things that you were glad you did as a parent One thing was I always welcomed everyone into my home. My home was the home Mm. that everybody came to. I fed the world. I fed the world. When I I say I fed the world, I fed the world. And I had this kitchen bar counter and I showed up for all their friends. Because a lot of them were latchkey kids. Uh, some of them came from very broken homes, mm. um, a little bit of neglect, some of them. And so I was not only there for my kids, but I was really there for their friends. I mean, it was a total open door policy. If you have nowhere to go for dinner, come eat dinner. Yeah. I literally cooked and fed the world. Amazing. And so that you know, it gave some kids some stability, maybe where their parent was always out partying or not home or they were struggling and didn't have food on the table. They had come eat at my house. Yeah. Some of them every day for years. Mm. (laughs) So that is one thing that I'm really proud of is that I welcomed all of the kids and, and loved them like they Mm. were my own. Oh my gosh. And that's what your boys I'm sure remember too. Yeah. So a lot of their Friends still call me mom. I love that. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I know that I created impact on on a lot of kids' lives by being present. Amazing. I did a couple things right. You did a lot right. Oh my goodness. (laughs) How did you parent your sons differently if you did that? You know, I really tried to be fair. 
But you know, they are different people. So they do require different parenting styles. Um, my younger one was really responsible. Like by the age of nine, he could get himself up, dressed, fed breakfast, get out the front door for carpool, lock the door. Cause I had to be at work at 7.30. Mm -hmm. So I had to leave at seven. Mm -hmm. And um, Mike would give them breakfast and he would take my older son to school. And then my younger one who was nine would have to get himself up, dressed, fed, out the wow. door uh, at nine. Lock up, he always did. And he was always on time. Oh. So he's gonna have a different kind of parenting because he's pretty, was pretty on point, you know, yeah. than my older one, mm. who was a little more charismatic, shall I say. Ah. <laughs> Active. <laughs> so it just re did require a little different parenting, but I always did try to be fair. That's good. You know, you do your best. So. Yeah, because kids will hold you to being exact. Well, they have memories of an elephant. Remember that one time in 1994? You know? <laughs> oh, exactly. Oh my gosh. You said totally. this was going to happen and yeah. it didn't. I have the record, the record right here, mom. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I, did it's I say like, that? Wait, what? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, they're memories. They're like elephants. So. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. Okay. What is the best parenting advice you were ever given? Hmm. You know, I wasn't given much advice. Believe it or not, I really was not given a lot of parenting advice. Um, Do you think it's because in your culture it was something that was not discussed or it was just yeah. assumed? Okay. Yeah. It's more expectation, mm -hmm. but it's unspoken. Yeah. You know? So I felt a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really, I didn't get a lot of parenting advice, but there was this unspoken pressure and probably, of course, I put it on myself that my kids needed to hit all these markers. And I grew up that way. Yeah. I had to get good grades and play sports and play an instrument. And, you know, the, it, it's, a, it's a cultural thing. It is. And I, I hit a lot of the markers, like, for a long time. And then I, like, tapped out. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. <laughs> I want to hit my own markers. I don't want to hit your markers. So what's you know, And then that created guilt. It's a whole other show. <laughs> What's it like in your family then to have this strict upbringing and then to relax it a bit with your own kids? Was there um, like friction well, you know, with the grandparents? What, you know, fortunately for me, my sister, uh, her son is like an amazing, he's like perfect. Like he is. He really is. And he's so nice. Like, we love him so much. We're like, we can't even not like you for being perfect because you're so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So he just took the pressure off. He's great, you know. And um, he's, he's doing everything sequentially like you're supposed to. And he's, he's amazing, a scholar athlete in college. And yeah. But, you know, my kids have their talents, too. They so, sure do. You know, you're... Um, perspective and perception around what success is sometimes needs to change. So I'm going to say my younger son is a phenom at classical guitar. Like mm -hmm. he's a phenom. And I didn't really realize that. So he went to college, he went to a prestigious um, 
music school. Mm-hmm. And you know, here's one of those things. When he was in high school, I felt like I needed to push him, right? Push him. He's like, I'm not taking AP classes. I'm not working my ass off. I'm not doing that. He, but he did play guitar three hours a day. Wow. From the time he was 12. Wow. He wanted to go to school on a classical guitar scholarship, Uh and he had the talent to do it. But me, being the Asian mom I am, was like, uh, shouldn't you be studying? Yeah. Mm. He's like, no, I'm going to get in. I'm going to get in on my talent. I'm going to get in on talent. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) okay. (laughs) But you know what? He did. Mm -hmm. He did. He ended up following his path. He's a music, you know, he's a musician. He got, he did get in on it scholarship for classical I love guitar. That. So That's amazing. I think we need to just like allow these kids to be who they need to be. So they are successful in their own right. My older son is super mechanically inclined. He went to trade school. He became a motorcycle mechanic and he's still very tech and he's, you know, he loves engines and that's his jam. Mm-hmm. They're successful in my mind. You Absolutely. Know? They're living true to who they are. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to be a surgeon or anything. (laughs) That's okay. It's my my nephew. (laughs) Not everyone can be a surgeon. Right. So we need to redefine success. Agreed. Yeah, different than what society says. Yeah. Okay, how did your marriage dynamic change over the course of parenthood? Um, It's stronger, for sure. Happy to hear that. I know, I know, believe it or not. Yeah, your marriage, you know, you go through so much as parents. Mm -hmm. You don't anticipate half the stuff that's going to happen when you're raising your kids. It's not, it's not the Facebook version. (laughs) There's stuff, you know, there's, there's tears, there's heartbreak, there's Mm. joy, there's, um, like you experience every emotion under the sun as a parent, yeah. but you, and, and, and the biggest one is love, just so much love for your kids. Right. Oh. But when you go through so much, like my husband and I were coming up on our 32nd anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. When you're together with somebody that long and you have really weathered some really tough storms together um you are either gonna split you know that the the stress is gonna tear you apart or you're gonna come together even stronger Mm -hmm. right because it's not in the good times that we realize how good we are together but it's in the it's in those tough times when you're being brought to your knees that's when you really know what your relationship is made of Mm -hmm. and every time you transcend something difficult you just get a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger and it's like building a house you know you start out with this foundation and it just gets stronger and stronger and your relationship gets stronger yeah but I think that's why so many parents divorce like right after kids graduate from high school Mm -hmm. it's like they just they just tap out. 
you know it's like they were kind of just cobbling it and holding holding it together for the for the kids yeah and then like there's always like kind of this rash of divorce that happens right around you know graduation from high school college years so we were Mm. very grateful that we have such a strong relationship i mean our our relationship today is the strongest it has ever been you guys are an incredible couple it has been really amazing to um get to this place and you know communication is a huge part of it absolutely i know you're really good at that with your your husband too well thanks and it's only because we've had so much miscommunication <laughs> that i've learned to <laughs> Um, well, that's what I'm saying, right? It's the, it's the struggles oh, that, yeah. and, and the hard times that really create growth for you as a person, but also for you as a couple. Yeah. You want to ride the waves, really... certainly, when everything's going great. Yes. You enjoy those times, but you really yes. do stretch yourself when you're in the valleys. In the valleys, and it's also a vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for us to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it is. It was very hard for me. I'm good at it now, but I wasn't. And it's really it hard for a man. Time. And so the woman has to take the lead there. That's my belief. Men pretty much don't do vulnerability at all. I but you know what we think with these modern marriages? It is. You know, it men is. Are more self-aware and women expect it is. more. Yeah. But we have this thing now where, you know, when we come together at the end of our day and we say, how was your day? Mm-hmm. You can't say it was fine. Or is good. Because that's kind of a cop out. Yeah. That's kind of like, and that's the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But then you're always in this real surface space. You're never really going deeper. Mm-hmm. Like, no, what really happened in your day today? Something happened. Ha- what, ha- what happened in the office today? You know, and then you'll find out, oh, there was a challenge or, you know, there was some big aha moment or victory or you know you you find out more peel back the layer a little bit take it a little deeper than it was fine or it was good and it goes both ways for us you know so that's that's, really good i love that rule it's a huge um game changer for us because when you ask a deeper question like define good You know, sometimes I'll say, of course, I'm intuitive. I'm like, you're saying good, but I know it wasn't. So why don't you just tell me what really happened? <laughs> but I mean, if, you, if you're not intuitive, ask, ask questions, get curious. Mm-hmm. What was something that happened today that was, that was a positive thing? What was a challenge that happened today? And I know it seems weird, no, it doesn't. This is like ask, popular ask right now deeper, in the parenting world about getting your questions. kids to engage. It's like not asking those yes, no questions. It's asking the open-ended responses. Right. Yeah. I think that's really good with the marriage too. Yeah. Why not so that marriage? really has, I mean, we literally are amazed, first of all, that we made it this far, but <laughs> that we really are deeply love each other too. So that's oh. incredible. Mike is so great. So, I remember going over to your house for a session when back in Houston and <laughs> yeah. I had Caitlin with me and I wasn't planning on it. She was homesick or something like that. And my daughter, who at the time was probably five, sat with Wendy's husband. They and watched they movies. Hung out <laughs> while Wendy and I did our session. I know. It was yeah. great. It worked out fine. 
Oh, yeah. So I would say communication really helps the growth for the marriage mm. all, all throughout the process. You know, be, be honest. Don't mm. wait till you're resentful. Oh, and blow. thank you for saying that. Because all of a sudden they throw their sock on the floor one more time and you're like, what? That's the last I can't straw. believe you're doing that. And they're like, you Someone's don't like, appreciate me. Right. Some of, then they're like, gosh, she's hormonal. Like, no, I've been resentful for five months and that sock pushed me over the edge. <laughs> you got to communicate, right? Let people know that there's a problem before it's like a huge problem. Absolutely. Communicate clearly and yes. early. Yeah. Yes. I, thank you for saying that. That's definitely a big um, distinction with oh my the women I work with one-on-one. -on -one. And why I did husband rehab is because yeah. it gets to that point where they're so far down the hole of resentment and anger. And if we just said something sooner, oh. Yeah. So communication has really helped us. Yeah. yeah. Hey, have you seen the, the Netflix movie right now, Marriage Story? No, but I want oh, to. You got to go see it. I heard Thanks. it's good. Marriage Story. It's how two wonderful people get to that point of divorce. Oh my God. It's so heartbreaking. But you know, so and I good. think it happens, right? So many good people. It's like almost you get into this dance of miscommunication and it just gets deeper and deeper and more in, the feelings get more intense and more intense. Mm -hmm. And it's like if you just had these tools to communicate and these tools to do some inner work, it wouldn't have fallen apart. It doesn't you really like that. Because they really do love each other, you yeah. know? Oh my gosh. So, right now in pop culture, which I'm guilty of following, there's <laughs> this yearning for Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston to get back together. Right? Even though he left her 15 years ago and she's like moved on with her life. There's like this yearning. Yeah. Like, we want that, that happy, happy ending. Yep. Yeah, how, it's happy so fascinating. Definitely like the work I've been focused on this last year was um, yeah. that marriage improvement. Yeah, in my own life and then with, with my It's own. huge. And you know, don't don't be afraid of getting therapy. Mm -hmm. Therapy is really helpful because it's good to have a neutral party explain your side of the story or the other person's side of the story. Yeah, Sometimes we're not really by yourself. Yeah. Go by yourself. Save, a lot of save yourself. Know. Put your oxygen mask on first, ladies. That's right. My advice. Oh, so good. Okay. I am going to end with one question. This is on the tale of how your marriage dynamic changed. What is your relationship like now with your boys? Now that they're adults, but you're still their mom. Tell me about oh that. Oh my gosh. You know, I was super surprised that you're always a mom. It's not like you send them to college. Don't cry when they go away. They come back. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Don't cry Sooner when they go away. You know. Cry when they come back. <laughs> yes, because they will. They come back. They go back and forth, back and forth. But um, yeah, my relationship with my kids. First of all, I love them so much. And you know what was a huge pivotal switch for me? Mm. It switched from conditional love, like I love you because because you're performing and you're meeting these markers, mm -hmm. to I love you because I see you. I love you because I know what a beautiful human being you are and you're a gift to this world and you really are a gift to this world. And 
Nobody can take that from them. And I love them no matter what they do. They don't have to hit an income mark. They don't have to um, be anything but themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if they can just walk through this world as themselves, as the best version of themselves, whatever that looks like, then they win. And love them for that. Oh, that's beautiful. I don't really, I don't, I've detached a lot from the need for them to complete me Mm. or define my success or define me. I've just detached and it's like, live your life. And I'm here just to provide love and I'm still feeding them. (laughs) Both of them live within 10 minutes from my house and it's very close to their work and stuff. So they're always coming and going and coming and going and doing laundry here or grabbing food here or, so we see them a lot. And I'm just so grateful. Like I'm so, so grateful that we can all, you know, still be together and have a relationship and love each other. And um, I still don't get that hallmark postcard moment where we all have the photo but in my heart I do it's okay oh it's okay congratulations on your beautiful family Wendy and for sharing a piece of it with us I'm so great yeah well thank you for having me I'm so honored that you asked and I hope I answered some questions I know I kind of go off on little tangents you did and if women want to reach out to you you know like I said Wendy is an intuitive life coach and I've worked with her where can we find you? Yes, um, I have a website and it's my company name is alineolifecoaching.com. It's A L I N E A lifecoaching.com. And basically, you can just reach out to me through my, my website. You could email me. It's Wendy at alineolifecoaching.com. Alinea means a new line in French. And what I found is when you can get people to shift their perspective just a few degrees, then their life will take a completely different trajectory and move in such a different direction, even if it's like two degrees. So that was the basis of me naming my company that. I reach out. I would, I would love to connect with anybody who feels like they have kind of lost themselves in this process. So, thank you, Wendy. Yeah, so thank you for, for having me. Your mom interview. I'm so, I'm so, so honored. Thank you, Melissa, for inviting me. And to all of you moms, love yourselves. Amen. You're worth it. You're worthy. Don't believe anything negative that you're telling yourself because it's not true. Nope. Thank you, Wendy. Mm-hmm. And bye, ladies. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch or listen. Bye. Bye. If you think having a paper planner is so Lisa Frank, 1992, you are missing the boat. I've been using the Passion Planner for four years, and it is the best tool for identifying and then chipping away at your goals every single week. And you know the personal satisfaction from crossing out a completed task. Mm, Check it out at yourpassionplanner.com, 
www.yourpassionplanner.com and you'll get a coupon. A huge thank you to Wendy for being so vulnerable, for sharing all of those secrets about her home life. And don't worry, Wendy, we protected the anonymity of your family quite well. If you want to see Wendy, you know, I've done sessions with her. She's amazing. She's an energy worker and a life coach. You can check her out at alineolifecoaching.com. All the links in the show notes. See you next time.